0: The Last Joyride, Part 1. Winter was in its dying throes when I finally had enough of the malaise and decided the best way to live was just to do that, live. I couldn't get Sophie out of my mind. I was eating myself alive with jealousy, worry, and more than anything, sadness. I'd never been so close to someone only to have them slip away with absolutely no hope. Writing? Oh man, I hadn't written a thing since I saw her last. Staring at empty pages, a word here and there, no great ideas, metaphors or even traces of memory came forward. That too seemed hopeless. One thing I had figured out though was that there was no way I could work the goddamned 40 plus hours a week making the wages I did and ever have any sort of a life. That I knew. That was the beginning, the beginning of the end. Months before I had come to the conclusion that existing lent itself quite nicely to that sort of regimen, not living, and all the great writers had lived. At least, that's what I thought. Monday, 3.17 a.m. Sleep was not happening, not for more than a few minutes at a time. I was excited. At times, my heart felt like it was going to leap from my chest. Conversely, I felt sick, but all because of excitement of anticipation. This was my last week of work. My last week. This was going to be my last Friday. Next Friday, I would hand in my notice effective immediately and walk the hell out of that oppressive corporate droning job forever. Things had started to fall in line. I was even playing with the words again. Plans had been made weeks before and they were all coming to fruition. The only problem for me immediately was that i just could not sleep the clock mocked me and i resigned myself to laying there and letting the thoughts race around my head i lay there in bed night after night and imagined the house empty or rather becoming empty a little bit at a time each piece of furniture dissolved from its place each trinket and book and lamp and computer and television doormat and shower curtain particleized disappeared then finally so went the roof and the walls So went the house. I was sleeping on the ground under an open sky. The canopy of trees partly blackened the star-filled heavens overhead. Surrounded by thundering rasps of cicadas and the scent of fresh pine needles, it was no longer lonesome. It was peaceful. The little lot where the house once had been was empty, giving the dogwood, tulip poplar, oak trees, and crape myrtle more room to spread out and grow. I needed room to grow, grow my mind and soul. One night, as I lay there staring into space, there came a loud definitive clap of hands together, and Pharaoh spoke, in Yule Brenner's voice. So let it be written... So let it be done. It was loud enough to stir me into consciousness. With his words, a plan began to take form in my sleepy head almost immediately. Yes, indeed, I was experiencing the beginning of the end. The strange had been happening for a couple of days, but now in earnest. There was nothing in the way of my next big journey but myself. I needed to get going. Compounding the terribly lonesome time was that the friends I had were all living their grown-up lives while I was still floundering. Often perception is reality and I perceived myself to be an irritation because I just could not relate to anything they were experiencing. Pregnancy, growing family, promotions, nor could they relate to me. There were no hard feelings. I did and do love them all, but at that time, I just drifted off on my own. I had some time. I needed to outfit the cruiser for travel, as in live-in travel, nomad life. I had plenty of camping and hiking gear, but this was going to be something more radical. I had read Steinbeck's travels with Charlie and had thought deeply about the ideas he was trying to convey about modern man as he saw him. I admit I could only relate on a few levels with him and did not much care whether or not my fellow man knew how to cook, fish, build fires, etc. I did. I could do all those things and the world, with all of its hustle and bustle, could not stop me from being a man. All of that was before I worked my insurance job. Soon thereafter, I discovered exactly what Steinbeck had been so worried about. One of the most destructive inventions of our time has been the computer turned cell phone. At any given moment, the average stooge has more power in his hands than all the pharaohs of Egypt, emperors of Rome even. Sargon of Akkad would have quaked in his sandals to have the information yielding little electronic device. Unlike the pharaohs or emperors, The modern man has no idea what to do with such power. The computer has gone from super adding machine to telecommunications device to socio-psychological validation trinket and is well on its way to linking the individual right to the Skynet for elimination. Thanks to the computer, the new industrial buzzword is multitask. It is an extremely obnoxious word that has no hope of leaving our language at the present time. As an underwriter, I multitasked with the best of them, answering phones that never rang, more on this later, while utilizing every square inch of my computer monitor to access different computer programs, faxing, writing, emailing, texting, etc., all to keep hazardous American insureds behind the wheel of their automobiles. Seemed crazy at the time. It still seems crazy now. The worst part of the working environment was the diabolical way in which management tried to mold your mind, change your paradigm of human nature. My advice to everyone is to stay the hell out of any type of customer service job. If you choose to pursue that path, thinking it will not affect you, I can assure you, your next job will likely be in a munitions factory. So, like a courtesy flush, it came. The mind snapped and told me I needed to get the hell out of that place physically and metaphorically. It was simply no longer an option. I needed to see some things and do something new. I was never going to be a writer of any kind living in that dump of a city and working in that mentally challenged rat cage. I began to surf the net looking on eBay and other sites for any and everything I thought I would need. Then I saw it. The game changer. The little burrow trailer. Oh man, it was all coming together. I spent the next few weeks at work scouring the want ads in between phone calls and managed to locate a burrow for sale locally. Already I felt better, even excited. The trailer would allow me to pull my home anywhere. I could write, sleep, eat, take a shit in my own little home. Brilliant. Why in the hell had I not done this before? I began to smile involuntarily, something I know had not happened in a long time. It nearly hurt my face, stretched my muscles I had all but forgotten about. I ducked a little lower my Lego cube, fearing someone would see me and become suspicious. The next course of action was to sell the house. Getting rid of all my stuff was no problem. An advertised sale took a week to plan, nearly one entire day on exactly what to title the I decided on going away sale. It seemed less morose than the other names I had bandied about, and there was some truth to it. After the ads were placed and the furniture emptied, and all the collections of books, software, CDs, old toys, etc. were placed in Xerox boxes filched from the office where I worked and marked for sale, the people came. They came early and ready to haggle like a pack of nomadic traders crossing Arabia. Everything was negotiable, and some wanted all but for nothing. They got turned away quickly for I was not out to make any friends and had no desire to give myself away. I did that already nearly every day while working at my regular job. The sale lasted two full days, and by the end I had a very little left and more cash in my hand than I had ever hoped to handle. The last blessing I received was when the house sold in less than three weeks. Sometimes you ask and the universe provides. I did make a bundle, but I was lucky to have turned another small profit for myself. Better still, the tether to my old life was coming further undone. I took the remaining boxes left over from the garage sale and stacked them in the carport and arranged for Goodwill to pick them up. And there I sat pockets full of change and no place to go. The one thing I had on my mind was the camper I had found searching on the internet. The advertisement was placed in a small middle Georgia newspaper, and it had intrigued me just enough to want to check it out further. I tapped on the wrinkled piece of paper while waiting for the answer to come on the other end of the phone. Finally it did, and with a few cursory questions and directions scribbled on the same wrinkled piece of paper, I headed south to Metter to see what I could see. I was beginning to lose the sick feeling of watching all my belongings leave my premises in the clutch of strangers. It was cleansing yet disturbing. Practically all that I had amassed was gone now too. I had a contract on the very roof over my head, and still no solid plan of what I was going to do. It took a little over two hours to get to Metter. And another fifteen minutes of country road driving after I got off the freeway to find the owner's address. I bought the camper after only a few minutes of negotiation. I followed the stoic gentleman down to an old graying wooden barn where he pointed to a large stack of baled straw and an old military tarp. I walked over and pulled the tarp aside, revealing a dusty chrome bumper on a near perfect old camper. It belonged to the cordial farmer and was purchased at a time when the family was young and growing, and taking summer trips was one of the cheapest forms of vacation entertainment. Score!